With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And now it's our family-friendly flooring sale. Save up to $1,000 and take advantage of our 24-month special financing on our stain-resistant carpet and stylish luxury vinyl at Flooring America. Sale ends soon, so come in today. Sean Miller back here again, the uh, goodbye series of podcasts. Appreciate you listening to this. It will uh, probably be a uh, pretty good ramble, just like the other one was. But hey, um, it's free. It doesn't cost any for the tape. And you have to decide whether or not the value of your time is worth listening to me ramble for a bit. Uh, this one, This one should be fun. I wanted to spend some time to, to thank some people. And I know that whenever you attempt something like this, invariably, inevitably, whichever one of those two is applicable, you're going to forget some people. And I apologize if I do forget anyone who is key and crucial. I blame it on my advancing age and it has nothing to do um, with you know your impact on this portion of my life. I want to start out by thanking Joe Schmelka. Um, some of you may have heard of Joe. He's the president of the Polk County Eye Club. Joe has been um, a very visible figure in the Des Moines metro area for a few decades now. And Joe has been an invaluable mentor to me. Joe has been someone who has taught me a lot about business but also taught me a lot about life and taught me a lot about living gracefully. Joe is one of the most positive people that I've ever met, most optimistic people I have ever met. Joe, a fellow entrepreneur, and I I think you have to be optimistic and positive or a good portion of you must be optimistic and positive if you are going to ever be successful. Uh, at being an entrepreneur and that's why Joe has been I think one of the many reasons why Joe um, invested his time in me he invested his talent in me and he invested a portion of his treasure in me Joe invested in Hawkeye Nation back I think it was 2010 and then again with another venture uh, a year later and That investment allowed me to pay some bills that I had racked up, some significant bills, some scary bills, and Joe's investment allowed me to get a fresh start and pay those things. That was an incredible freeing thing that I will forever be grateful for to Joe, but I'm just as grateful for the other things, his time and his wisdom and his friendship. And it's, it's safe for me to say that had Joe not been there in my life at that key time and in many ways that I would be frightened to know 
what my life would look like right now, roughly a decade later. So Joe, you know I love you, always will, and I really thank you for the role that you've played in my life. Rob Howe. Rob is somebody who has uh, worked with me in the Hawkeye sports world as long as anyone. And you also heard me thank Steve personally, uh, Steve Dace rather personally, in the podcast, the last Miller and Dace podcast we did. Steve and I have been probably working together longer than uh, in, in the sports world than, than anybody else. So that's why I wanted to thank him there and thank him, you know, in person together on that podcast. So if you didn't hear that, that's why you know Steve's name didn't come up right there, but Rob has been a loyal friend. Rob uh, joined the uh, joined Hawkeye Nation in 2000 and I believe it was 2002, 2003. Uh, he joined Hawkeye Nation before I could come back to it because I was serving a non-compete. The first ever Hawkeye Nation magazine was actually called Hawkeye Illustrated. It featured a cover uh, with Robert Gallery carrying the American flag out onto the field uh, from the 2002 Orange Bowl. I have that photo framed. It is still one of my favorite, favorite Iowa photos of anything I ever saw related to the Hawkeyes. Um, Rob actually started with Hawkeye Illustrated, so there was two episodes, I believe, two issues of Hawkeye Illustrated, and then and then I was able to come back. My non-compete had expired, and Rob was there, and uh, I met Rob, really got to know Rob, working on a radio program in Iowa City on KXIC. I had moved up to uh, Iowa City in very late 2000, and Mark Allen was, I think, the sports director of KXIC at that point in time, and I had launched Hawkeye Nation. I'd moved, actually, back to West Branch to build this business. I told my wife I felt that I could build this website. I could turn it into something, and, and she she believed me, so we moved up there to our 28 by 80 trailer in West Branch Mobile Home Village that we bought new. Uh, very well-built and well-insulated trailer, I might add. We bought that trailer um, while Iowa was winning an overtime game against Penn State in 2000. That game was going on, and I listened to it in the car to and from, I guess, looking at trailer sites. Anyhow, that was an aside. But Rob and I had met on the show Good Call that Mark Allen hosted, and I was a regular guest there. So was Rob, who was then of the Iowa City Press Citizen. Uh, Tom Kakert, uh, currently of Hawkeye Report, we'll talk more about him in a second. Uh, he was also a regular guest. Todd Bromelkamp, then of the uh, Daily Iowan, I believe, was a regular guest. And uh, Mike Finn, of Voice of the Hawkeyes, I was also working for Voice of the Hawkeyes at that time. Um, I think Andy Hamilton, Pat Hardy, some potentially. Maybe. I'm sorry if I'm conflating a few things there towards the end, but I just didn't want to forget anybody, so I might even be saying people that weren't there. But at any rate, um, Brent Balbinot also would uh, be a part of that and sometimes host. And after Mark Allen moved on, Brent was the host of that. What a fun show that was. That was the first regular show I was on other than you know being on with Dace during the, uh, the, during the sports seasons once a week. You know, Dace was first, and uh, Good Call was second. 
and it was so much fun and I was so excited it was you know I was probably 30 years old 29 30 years old just getting going just starting to attend media events um, over there in Iowa City and I'll talk about those more here in a second as well but it it, it just made me feel I, I was excited by it I, I felt I felt it was really cool. I had a regular, you know, that was back when this was all new to me and, and I'd want to hear how I sounded on the radio and, and I was just enthralled and thrilled with it. I was so excited and my family loved hearing it. So what a great time of life that was. And that's when I first met, uh, Rob. And then as I'd mentioned, Rob came over and and joined me at Hawkeye Nation. Then I left and took Hawkeye Nation independent in 09, uh, away from the scout.com network at that point in time, which is, gosh, I don't even know what they're called anymore. Um, And I I don't mean that disrespectfully. These networks have changed names so many times. And then um, Rob came back and uh, came back to work with us at Hawkeye Nation in 2015. And uh, we've been working together since then. Uh, Rob is a great soul, a great human being, uh, a kind and gentle soul, someone I have a great deal of respect for, um, and someone that I absolutely look forward to staying in touch with. Um, so Rob, thank you very much for your, your faith in me, your trust in me. And there have been times where things have been rocky. I wasn't always the greatest with details. Um, and you know what I'm talking about, but you're, you're a very good friend. Uh, Tom Caker was also there um, from the early, early days. Uh, Tom and I, some of you may not know this, some of you youngsters, but Tom and I worked together at the original Rivals.com under the banner of SuperHawkeye.com. So here I am, I'm newly married. And I had seen Tom, I don't even know where this came from. Maybe it came from the Big Ten fan forums. I started getting on on Iowa Hawkeye and Big Ten forums like in 95 or 96. I'm like as old school as they get in that way. Although those of you who were on the Herky email list, you're like way old school. But I saw that Tom was writing for some type of periodical based out of the Quad Cities. Kedrick Prince, who covers the Illini, uh, was also writing for that. And, and Tom was like, he was emailing me and say, hey, um, you know, I want to I want to join up with what you are doing. Because at that time, it was me and Josh Clark at SuperHawkeye.com. And Josh was like a 16 or 17-year-old kid at that point in time. But somehow he was the, the Rivals.com publisher. And then Rivals found out that I was doing the Miller Time um, daily email that I would send out, start, start sending out to family and friends in 1999. And then my family and friends started forwarding to their family and friends. And before you knew it, in six months, I was sending it out to 5,000 people. And that was crazy. And that's how Rivals found me. So I joined up with Josh. Josh was actually the first publisher at superhawkeye.com. And then um, I was there for a little bit. And then Tom was emailing me saying, hey, I want to I be a part of this. And I was ignoring Tom, and, but he was persistent. At that point in time, Tom was, uh, I believe, the director of uh, Big Brothers Big Sisters in the Quad City. So finally emailed him. We called. We talked. Long story short, Tom joined us at superhawkeye.com. And we did that for, you know, 2000, 2001, and most of 2002 before I told the rivals uh, guys that I was leaving, and I was going to, um, and I was going to go join Scout. And then Tom stayed on with Rivals after they had a financial reorganization, and then they changed the uh, 
they changed the name of the site to Hawkeye Report, but Tom was there very, very early, and we had so much fun, and I drive over to the Quad Cities, and we do some radio shows over there, and uh, Tom and I developed a really good friendship, you know, being honest, we probably butted heads quite a bit from like 04, 03, gosh, really, in some ways, almost up into the Rose Bowl in 2015, it was just, it was from a competitive standpoint, we were competitive, it, although it, it probably, you know, some of that, some of that over competitive aspects probably thought before 2015. But there were times where it was tense and we didn't talk as much. And man, do I hate that looking back on it now and how silly was just, I shouldn't say it's silly because competitive, you know, I, I love competition it's just when you take competition too far and competition can begin to, you know, cloud your eyes and put scales on your eyes and, and, and you don't see the person anymore. All you see is a competitor and that's not fair because Tom Kakerson, just a fantastic human being. Uh, I'd mentioned he was, you know, he was the director of Big Brothers and Big Sisters and those aren't high paying gigs. You do that because you have a passion and a caring for people. And that's Tom Kakert, just a great dude. And, and one, something I'm so happy for was in 2015, the Rose Bowl. Tom and I had talked about covering Iowa in a Rose Bowl back when we started working together in, in 99, 2000 range. And as, as luck, good fortune would have it, Tom and I's seats in the press box of the Rose Bowl, our chairs were right next to one another. And man, it was so good. We, we talked about our families in, in greater depth than we had in well over a decade. And we really, really, you know, metaphorically speaking, smoked the peace pipe. And it was genuine. And it was fantastic. And obviously, Iowa didn't do well in that game. I would say that that was probably my favorite part and my favorite experience relative to the entire Rose Bowl visit was just, um, I think, for once and for all, putting putting that competitive snippiness uh and and i'm i am not sitting here saying that tom felt that way i'm just speaking how i felt and um you know i've thought of tom a lot through the years when i've been in church and i've heard sermons on forgiveness and holding grudges and tom always popped into my head like john you need to like you need to put this competitive axe aside you need to call up tom but i just never did what a what a shortcoming that was a lot of wasted time there but um uh, Tom's a great dude. Really like him a lot. And and Blair that works for Tom is just such a, a talented and hardworking person. Um, they've got a great team at Hawkeye Report. And um, just really glad to call Tom uh, my friend um, again uh, as well. You know, I, I'd mentioned Mark Allen. Thank you to Mark Allen for inviting me on Good Call. I uh, really, really appreciate that. Maybe I'll just I'll stay in the media theme here. People that I'm going to miss you know, interacting with mostly on Twitter because I, I live in Oklahoma and, and these guys live up in Iowa city or Cedar Rapids or the, the surrounding area or Des Moines for that matter. Um, Mark Morehouse of the Gazette, just a, just a witty, funny, the master of the analogy. He is, he is one of the best, best sports writers there is today. And, and he's so funny. And Mark and I, try to keep one another sane uh, during 
during football seasons on uh, DMs on Twitter and just really, really feel fortunate that uh, I've gotten to know Mark uh, professionally and somewhat personally and um, great guy. Scott Dockerman of The Athletic, he is a professional's professional. They just don't come any better relative to writing than Scott Dockerman. He is at the he's at the top of his craft and um, I'm probably going to continue to read all these people because even though I'm stepping away from Twitter I'm hoping that that fan comes back in me and uh, I, I signed up for The Athletic because of Doc and after I started reading other stories from The Athletic it's like wow there's, what, a, what a great collection of writers but Doc's got to be uh, at the top and love the on Iowa podcast. It's my favorite podcast that I listen to, and I'm sure that you know many of you listening to this are like, duh, uh, tell us something we don't know. It's a great podcast. Um, really enjoyed the time I was able to spend through the years with Pat Hardy. There at times things got kind of snippy and competitive too, but um, Pat's a good dude, and um, really enjoyed listening to their podcast he does on on KCJJ. Uh, you know, with with Suter and the and the captain and man, let me give you a little anecdote because you know I probably should save this for the uh, the apologies podcast. But um, whenever I was young and dumb, back in you know moved to West Branch and was on good call and thinking I was going to do this, thinking I was going to do that, I I I started looking at radio tower signals in Eastern Iowa because I had spent some time on sports talk radio in Kansas City. I I was a caller to Jason Whitlock's show down in Kansas City, regular caller, and um, they liked what I did and I pursued some potential talk radio slots. Anyway, I I did a weekend uh, college football wrap-up show on on, um, it was was the forerunner to 810, I think it was 1510. Uh, down there in, in Kansas City, and I did it with Stephen St. John, who's now, he's been entrenched as a longtime morning show host of uh, WHB, A10WHB, which is one of the largest radio signals, most powerful radio signals in the country, and one of the biggest sports talk, sports talk, talk stations there are. Uh, Stephen St. John's the morning drive guy, Jason Whitlock was the afternoon drive guy, and so I, I came to Iowa I'm going to replicate this. I saw that these guys put together a, a, a group of independent owners. They bought this little 1510 KCTE in, in Kansas City, and they turned it into something bigger. So I started looking at radio signals, and I saw KCJJ signal. I didn't know anything about KCJJ. I didn't know of its position in the community, uh, the, the just the power that it wielded. I didn't know um, who Steve Soboroff was or Tom Suter was. I didn't know any of these guys. So... In my youthful exuberance and arrogance, I can't remember who I told or if I said it publicly. I don't think I probably would have done that, but who knows? I said I'm gonna I'm gonna raise the money and I'm gonna buy KCJJ and I'm gonna basically replicate what 1510 did in Kansas City. I'm gonna do it here. Well, that somehow got back to those guys, and you know, as you might expect, I just talked about how competitive I am. They're competitive too entrepreneurs are competitive. So I think that uh, the good captain um, didn't much care for me for a long time. Don't know if he does still or not, but I, I think he's great. I think he's really funny. I love listening to um, 
the All Hawkeyes podcast. Uh, Tom Suter is very funny. Tom was a subscriber to some message boards that I've done over the years, and just a good guy. Um, so sorry, guys. Sorry, I was I was young and dumb, but hey, I, th- I think we all do things along those lines. You know, Brendan Stiles, uh, he had Hawkeye Drive there for a while. It doesn't do it anymore. But it's been so good to get to know Brendan. He is just such a such a, a charming, positive outlook guy. Really enjoy the the DMs and exchanges we have and just wish him nothing but the best. His father recently passed away in just a tragic fashion and uh, my prayers go out to him and, and his family. But Brendan, just such a really, really um, good person. Really like him and I have a great deal of respect for him. Josh Clark, I'd mentioned earlier, uh, Josh is now living down in Florida. He's got himself a young family. He looks like he's doing fine. We trade messages every now and then and uh, you know, Josh and I butted heads at time too, at times too. But gosh, there's like a, a pattern I'm having. I, I butted heads with a lot of people. Maybe I was a bit of a bull in a china shop, but um, hopefully not going to go out that way. So, Josh, I really appreciate um, you know our friendship and, and, and what we did together. Mike Halas of the Cedar Rapids Gazette has been someone that I have admired, uh, looked up to, respected, read for 30 years plus. Um, as a consumer of the Cedar Rapids Gazette, as a paper carrier of the Cedar Rapids Gazette in the 1980s. I mean, I was carrying Mike's stories around, delivering them all across West Branch for a year or two. Never really made any money at that. I just put all my quarters in the Tron machine down at the uh, Bears Den. But uh, hey, you know, that or the uh, the mobile 10-cent box. But Mike is, Mike's sense of humor, his sarcasm, his wit... I just really adore Mike. Just a great, great guy, and we'll continue to read Mike uh, as I, you know, step away from um, whatever limelight this is. Um, delving, you know, in more kind of to the to the media aspects here. Um, I want to thank Bob Bowlesby. Bob Bowlesby, man, did he help me out or what? Um, my first lengthy interaction with Bob, I think it was 2001. I think Iowa was celebrating its 100th year of basketball, and there was some type of celebration at the Wigan Pen that media were invited to. And, of course, I went. And, you know, back in those days, I didn't turn down an opportunity to go and, and drink a few beers. So I went, and then a lot of the media left, and I stayed because I was having a few beers. And, and Bob stayed. And here I am maybe 30, probably 29, and I'm sitting there at a table drinking beers with Iowa's athletic director, and it's just him and me. And I'm, you know, I've got some liquid courage in me, so I start asking him questions. I start asking him questions relative to the Bob Stoops and Kirk Ferentz hiring process, and we talked about that, and, you know, he gave me his his angle from all that, and we talked about so many things, and many things, well, most all of them were off the record, and I, and I still... I still hold to that, even though I'm not really going on the record with anything anymore. Those were conversations that he and I had. We developed a really good trust, and that turned into, in 2003, when we launched the Hawkeye Nation magazine, I asked Bob for a favor. I asked him if we could send a free copy 
of the new magazine to Iowa's season ticket, football season ticket holder list. And he allowed me to do that. And I never got access to the list. That's very proprietary information, as you might imagine. But we, um, the printer signed, obviously, uh, you know, an, an NDA, non-disclosure. Um, you, know, you can't disseminate this. So Iowa, via Bob's uh, approval, sent their season ticket holder address list to the printer. And it was a one use, and we only used it once. Again, I never saw this. It was this. This was buttoned up legally, and we sent a free copy of the magazine to I think it was over ten, eleven thousand people, and it made a huge difference. It really helped kick that magazine off something proper, and in a way I never would have dreamed possible. And I just. I just, and I still to this day love Bob. Just a great guy. He didn't have to do that. He probably was, he probably shouldn't have done it. I don't know. But he's an athletic director. He can do what he wants. But he, he trusted me when he had no reason to. And whenever I've experienced things like that in my life, I, I, it's not lost on me. I'm very appreciative and very respectful of it and uh, never forget those things. So even here now, nearly 20 years later, um, if Bob needed me to do something for him and I could, I would. So thank you uh, to Bob for that. Uh, Gary Dolphin has always treated me with an amazing degree of respect that I didn't deserve. He's treated me like I'm his peer when I was a peon. When some people wouldn't have peoned peed on me if I was on fire back when I first started. Dolph couldn't have been more accommodating. He's Dolph. That's the, the Dolph that you hear on the radio, that's Dolph. I uh, can't tell you how many um, times we hung out at the bars and uh, chit-chatted, and that doesn't mean, you know, I drank more than Dolph did, uh, but that's just, you know, where we met after some games and things like that, and just just fun, fun conversations. Some of the, the most enjoyable nights of my life uh, were spent with Dolph, and one of the most enjoyable nights of my life, two of them actually, were spent with Dolph and Podolak, or just Ed Podolak. Actually, three. First one with Podolak would have been in 2001 at the Alamo Bowl, Iowa's first Alamo Bowl under Kirk Ferentz, and we went to a hotel bar after the game. And Podolak was just sitting there spinning yarns and just being Ed Podolak, being the guy that, you know, uh, Jimmy Buffett writes songs about. And it just, it was so, it was so much fun. It was so much fun being in Ed's presence, looking at those rings and just, you know, being included. Again, I was, gosh, 2001, I was, I was 29 years old. And here I am sitting in a hotel bar having beers with the voice of the Hawkeyes, Gary Dolphin and Ed Podolak and a bunch of other media members hanging out. It, that, I mean, you're in the locker room, essentially, and, and it doesn't get any better than that. And then the next year, it got better than that. Iowa went to the Orange Bowl. I pull into the Orange Bowl parking lot, go down under the belly of the stadium. It was Joe Robbie, I think, at that time, Joe Robbie Stadium. 
and I'm getting a plate of food. I got there kind of late because um, my friends and I hit it really hard the three or four days leading up to that. That's a story for, uh, well, you know what? I don't know that that story is ever going to see the light of day. But I sit down, I'm eating my food, and all of a sudden somebody sets their plate down and care if I sit here? And, you know, Podolak in his gravelly voice, I said no. And we start talking. And he's like, John, I've won world championships. I've been to the highest of highs that this sport has to offer. And today, when we rode the bus, because Ed and Gary rode the team bus into the stadium, when we rode the bus through the sea, the parking lot of this stadium, and all we saw was Hawkeyes the entire way and Iowa fans line the entire entry, he's like, I got to admit, I cried pretty hard because I've never seen anything like that. And I, I just, I was just in awe of hearing that story. It was just one of the coolest things. And then another Podolak and Dolph story. Orange Bowl Part 2, 2009 turning into 2010. We're down in Miami. And I, I bump into both of them into the Hawkeye Huddle. And the Hawkeye Huddle was, man, it was probably a couple miles away from uh, the Clevelander which was the location for the, you know, Iowa, you know, Hawkeye Sports Network bowl game radio program. Well, Dolph does, does his master of ceremonies bit there at the, uh, at the Hawkeye huddle. And I was kind of backstage and hanging out and talking with parents of players and stuff like that. And then we leave and Dolph and Pody like, all right, Miller, uh, you got to get us to the Clevelander or walking. You're going to, you know, so... I don't even know if, gosh, it was 20, I don't know if I even had Google Maps back then. I don't even know if Google Maps even existed. But So we're, we walked a couple of miles, it felt like, from that convention center to the Clevelander. And, and Podolak's telling stories. He's telling stories of when he had that NFL record-setting game against the Miami Dolphins because we were in Miami. And, and, and Dolph was just as raptured with the story as I was. And, you know, I got him there. And we just moments I'm never going to forget but Gary and Ed always made me feel like I was one of them or I was in and uh, it felt really good it felt really good Uh, Iowa Sports Information Phil Hattie thank you for giving me the opportunity to be a credentialed uh, member of the media when you did back in 2001 you still let me in and broke that barrier down. I had the um, the good fortune of being the first non-traditional media member that I have ever credentialed. And it took a year or two of proving myself to be someone that had some integrity and at least journalistic integrity, although I've never referred to myself as a journalist and never will. Um, I still tried to play it like I was. And there were ethics involved, and I and I'd gotten a degree in, in broadcast in broadcasting, so I, I knew the, you know, I knew the do's and don'ts. Um, but I, I want to appreciate and thank Phil Hattie and Steve Rowe for um, for extending that credential to me and, and letting me be a part of that. And uh, Matthew Whitesell, Big Whites, you know, he does a phenomenal job. So many people in sports media over there in Iowa City do a great job. And, um, and they've, they've been fair to me probably more than I've been to them. Uh, Rick Klatt, no longer with um, you know, the athletic department, but he was during much of the time 
when I was you know really actively involved in covering the Hawkeyes, and um, very much so early on. I remember I remember going to lunch with Rick Clapp maybe 2001, 2002, and just talking about things. And uh, you know we we had a really good relationship. And you know I kind of went off the reservation a bit in 2014. We'd moved to the Tulsa area, and I was no longer in Des Moines. And I, I just think I felt like I had to prove to people that I could still swing a stick. And I I've said this before. I, I said some things about Kirk Ferentz and Iowa football program that year that I really regret saying. I don't regret the criticisms. I just re- I regret the unprofessional ways in which I criticized, and I always will. And I and I've I've said the same thing to Rick because it was you know they they pulled Mike uh, they pulled Hawkeye Nation's credential at that point in time. All right, I I compared. I said if Kirk Ferentz and Greg Davis had a love child, it would look like this. And I posted a picture of the uh, alien baby from the 1980s miniseries television miniseries V. All right, you can Google that, and it got a lot of likes, but it it wasn't liked all that well, and it was unprofessional. It was just unprofessional. So I don't blame them at all for what they did. Uh, not at all. So, I Rick uh, really enjoy Rick. Still enjoy uh, conversing with him still to this day. Greg Lansing, former Iowa basketball assistant coach uh, and head coach of the Indiana State basketball program. Greg's uh, somebody I consider a friend. Uh, he was definitely uh, a friend to me when he was an assistant there in the Iowa staff. Just a great dude. Iowa kid from Harlan. Um, wish him nothing but the best and thank him for. Um, you know, for his uh, his friendship through the years. Uh, thanks to Andy Garman for all the pub um, opportunities you gave me when you came to KCCI. Uh, Keith Murphy of WHO TV. Keith, um, man, thank you so much for all that you did for me. You you allowed me on the WHO. You allowed me to come on every week and make a prediction in the Hawkeye Insider segment. I know that I made you nervous more than once when you were befuddled that I did not send in a script uh, of what I was going to say when I came in and recorded those spots. And I was told that I very much had one only one minute, which is really hard for a long-winded talker like me. And no, I'm not going to have a script. And no, I'm not going to put it on the teleprompter. And more often than not, it was one take, and it was within two to three seconds of being a minute long. Hey, that's just how I roll. But thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the confidence in me. Thank you for your friendship. Keith is somebody that I reached out to in the uh, winter of 2012-2013. Very dark time of my life. And I was going through some tough things. And I reached out to Keith. I just wanted his perspective and uh, he graciously gave me that time. Keith Murphy is exactly how you see him on television or hear him on the radio. One of the nicest people that you'll ever meet and um, just a top shelf human being. So thanks for all the opportunities, Keith. I really appreciate it. The first time I met Keith Murphy was at a gas station uh, just out, just on the other side of the road from the Williamsburg Outlet Malls, coming back from the 2002 Iowa Iowa State football game that Iowa State won. Dace and I were coming back from that together, going to Des Moines. I was staying at his house before we went back to Kansas City. And uh, Keith happened to be filling up his truck, so I met him right there at a gas station. He probably doesn't remember that, but I do. 
Chad Lysico, just another another. There's so many great people that are on the Iowa beats and cover the Iowa Hawkeyes, and I'm sure I'm not going to get to them all. But Chad is just a great human being, and you know there were some really tough things that uh, several people at the register went through back in you know September, October, um, relative to a story that that brought some negative publicity to the register's way but chad and others didn't have anything to do with that and i know it hurt and chad you're you're just a great dude you're a great person and um, i'm really glad that i've gotten to know you the way that i have mostly via texting and talking on the phone and social media and hopefully there'll be more opportunities um in person John Bonencamp, another great dude. So glad that John's got an opportunity with the Maven. And one of my favorite people to follow and read on Twitter. Um, he, John would be the guy that if I had a if I had a if I had a monthly poker game, John's on my call list. I, I imagine those conversations would be so fun. I can't even imagine how much fun a poker game would be between, you know, having Bonencamp over and Loss and Morehouse and Docterman and Lystico and Cakert and Howe, etc. I mean, my gosh, how much fun that would be! It would, it would, it would be worth recording. It'd be like that old um, sports writers on TV show from the old uh, Chicago sports from back in the '80s. If you watch that show, you know what I'm talking about. Joel McRae, uh, KXNO, and WHO. Thank you for the opportunity that you gave to me to be on sound off with Jim and Van Van Harden as well to be on sound off with Jim Zobble. That is something that I still don't believe happened that I got to spend that many years with Jim Zobble doing that show and uh, that you made me just the third sports director in the history of WHO radio. The other two, Ronald Reagan and Jim Zobble. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool, too. Thank you for that. Thank you for the opportunity to have a daily sports talk show in Des Moines and for believing in me for that. Um, How that came about, by and large, was that in 2003, Joe Schmelka, was it? Yeah, I think it was Joe Joe Schmelka asked me to come up and be a weekly guest, a weekly co-host, on the Polk County iClub radio show that aired every Wednesday night just before Kirk Ferentz's call-in show. I said absolutely, but I also lived in Kansas City, and this this show aired from a, a new bar in West Des Moines that's no longer there. I drove up from Kansas City to do an hour-long radio show, and then I drove back to Kansas City, and I can't remember if I even got compensated for it. If it was, it didn't cover the gas. But the reason why I did that is because I knew I had to impress some people if I ever had a shot at going up and getting my own talk show. I wanted to impress these people. And this program aired on one of the WHO properties. It might have been KXNO. I don't remember, but it was certainly under McCray and Harden. And then I was also doing remotely the Golden Harvest Hawkeye Huddle on WMT. Uh, in 2003, I did so from my house in Kansas City, had the equipment. Well, and then in 2004, um, we got the opportunity to do sound off. They asked me to do sound off. And I said, 
absolutely I'm going to do sound off. you got to be kidding me. Met Jim Zobel uh, at the time. It was just before WHO Radio moved uh, out of their offices where WHO TV currently is and moved into their 2140 Grand offices. Met Jim Zobel there. It was one of the highlights of my life. My wife was with me, with me when I met him. And um, so 20, 2004, I drove from Kansas City to Des Moines on Wednesday nights to do the Wednesday night show. And then I drove from Kansas City to Des Moines for Saturday sound off. And then I drove home. I, I just kept, I, I did day trips. That, I thought this is how I'm going to get a full-time job. I've just got to hustle. You got to be hungry. You got to do things that other people are not willing to do. And even people that go the extra mile, you need to go the extra two miles. And that's what I did. And um, it worked. To have the opportunity to do Sound Off with Jim Zabel from 2004 to 2012, um, that might be the peak. I mean, that, that, that was pretty fun. Several of those years, Jim was in studio. Most of the years, he, he was not. And then uh, Jim would pass away, I believe, in very early in the spring of 2013. And uh, I was actually already down in Tulsa at that time. So my last thought on Jim, during our time together on Sound Off from 04 to 2012, private phone conversations that we'd have during the off season, Jim brought up going to the Rose Bowl one last time almost every time we spoke on the phone. Almost every time we spoke on the phone, Jim Zobel talked about, do you think we'll get a chance to go back to the Rose Bowl? Because I'd like to be there. And Jim never said, I'd like to get there one more time before I die. But it was pretty much understood that that's what he was getting at. He just wanted to go back to the Rose Bowl. So Jim passes in 2013. That would be two years before Iowa would have their 12-0 and regular season and their invitation to the Rose Bowl. And someone somewhere along the line had given me a little inch-and-a-half-tall pin, like a lapel pin, that you could pin on a coat or a shirt. And it was a caricature of Jim Zobel holding a WHO microphone. And I think I was given this 2014, 20, it was after Jim had passed. And I thought to myself, you know, if Iowa makes it back to the Rose Bowl in my lifetime, I'm going to take this pin with me to the Rose Bowl. I'm going to bring Jim with me to Pasadena. And then Iowa, of course, gets back to the Rose Bowl in 2015. Now, we all know how the game played out wasn't much fun relative to the game but near the end of every football game the media is allowed to go down on the field which is kind of a really cool thing and it never got old to me so I'm down on the sidelines on the field of the Rose Bowl we're talking about grass that is cut so short that you don't believe that it's real grass. It's one of the most amazing surfaces I've ever set foot on. I wanted to roll around in it and do a Rose Bowl Angel, but I I didn't do that. That probably would have gotten me escorted out of there. I had Jim's pin in my pocket, and I kind of look around, 
make sure that nobody official looking is staring at me. And I bury that pin down in the turf. And I stepped on it for good measure to get it down underneath the dirt as far as I could, down embedded into the surface of the Rose Bowl. And I'd like to think that that pin is still there. Matter of fact, I'm going to go with it. It's as close as I could come to spreading Jim's ashes on that hallowed field where he called games many, many decades ago in a place that he very much wanted to return to while he was still with us all, but that didn't happen. So that was a a small gesture that I could do. So let's all just close our eyes and pretend that pin is still there. And let's smile about that. My first year as a credentialed member of the media was 2001. And in football, I got the chance to sit next to Bob Brooks in the press box for the entire season. That was so much fun. And Bob humored me in my youthful exuberance, my excitement of just being there. And it was the old Iowa press box, which is really hot, and all those stupid Chinese beetles would get in there in the warm days and the windows were open. And Bob humored me because I would talk, I was talking after every play. Just that annoying guy in the press box that veterans can't stand. And uh, I was that guy. But Bob was just, he would laugh and he would, I remember him talking about Chicozi Giasi when Matt Scottdale got hurt against Michigan. And I'm like, who is that guy coming in? And he, he knew Egiasi from Cedar Rapids. So I got to sit next to Bob Brooks for the entire 2001 football season. And then in the 2001-2002 basketball season, I sat next to Al Grady on press row. Al Grady, longtime Iowa City press citizen writer, passed away um, not too many years after 2001, actually. So my first year covering Iowa football as a credential member of the media, I sat next to Bob Brooks. My first winner doing basketball the same year, 2001-2002, I sat next to Al Grady. I didn't get to know Don Doxey and Steve Batterson as well as I would have liked. Uh, our past just didn't cross as much, but when they did, I really enjoyed being around those guys. Chris Williams, I know, Cyclone here, the publisher of Cyclone Fanatic, um, and current KXNO radio talk show host. One of, the, one of the people I love as much as anybody um, in the world. He is just such a good, good dude, and he's so talented. It's been so fun to watch him and listen to him just get so much better and better and better. Uh, And Ross Peterson, who he does a radio show with, love Ross to death. Another great dude. Andrew Downs, who's also at Cakes, know who you're going to be hearing a lot more of, who you've been hearing some this fall on the HN Podcast, and you'll hear more and more of Andrew. Just another fantastic person. Andrew was there in the early days of the uh, Miller and Dace in the morning show. Dace and I both did not want to do a morning radio show, but we did it. We both hated getting up, but when we got in the air, the fact that we were bleary-eyed and somewhat punch-drunk made for sometimes a pretty funny radio show. Andrew was there a part of it, and he was there when we got snowed in in 2009, December uh, 9th and 10th, I think, of 2009. When Dace and I basically spent two nights in the radio studio 
Andrea came Andrew came in and, and, and we asked how the drive in was and he said that Kias were littered about the roadway, still one of the biggest laughs I've ever had on the radio show. Boy do I miss Wolfgang. What a what a crazy guy. Lived with his emotions on his sleeves. This this football season and um, the basketball season won't be the same. Uh, won't be the same without Wolfgang. I never met him. He was a caller to my radio show. Uh, regular caller. We did a regular segment together. Uh, and then through the years, um, we would talk on the phone. You know, he'd reach out to me for some things, and I, you know, really got to know him. Some person, personal things. We 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 spent a lot of time talking about those, and then, you know, trying to help him get on the air through the years. And then he finally got on the air and finally had his own show. And um, gonna just really still miss him to this day. Ken Miller, Ken Miller of KXNO, one of my favorite people. How many times have I said that? But honestly, I've got a lot of favorite. My my daughter dogs me because I said, oh, this is one of the, my ten favorite songs ever, and I probably have about a thousand of those. But I just really, really like Ken. We spent a lot of time together in, inside, you know, the KXNO studios in the bullpen on show changeovers, uh, a few car rides to and from media days, I think, in Kansas City. Uh, he's had me on his shows a number of times, and I, I just really, really like Ken. He and Trent are just doing a great job, and, and Trent's a good dude as well, especially if you like gambling. He's your guy. Patrick Vint and Adam Jacoby of GoIowaAwesome.com. I didn't really care much for BlackheartGoldPants.com at first. That was the, you know, they were the original creators of that, which is on the SB Nation network before they took it independent at GoIowaAwesome.com. I was probably, I just probably took myself too seriously and I, I didn't care for it. But after I read more and more of their stuff, I just fell in love with them. Just, first of all, it's incredibly intelligent. Their brand of humor and wit, they have a bunch of intelligent, talented people that make contributions there. Yeah, is it snarky and full of sarcasm? Sure. But boy, sometimes there were things that they said and wrote that I kind of wish, man, I wish I kind of could do that. They're awesome. Adam Jacoby goes back quite a long ways, too. Before I went to the Scout Network, in between Rivals Version 1 going under and then the people that founded that site restarting something that was called TheInsiders.com that was then changed to Scout.com, Josh Clark was over at TheInsiders.com when I had signed with Rivals Version 2, and I think Adam Jacoby was with Josh when Adam was a student at the University of Iowa. And Adam is just a brilliant person as well. So those guys are fantastic. Uh, look forward to continue reading them and see where they go. Justin Van Lair, you know him as Storm and Spank. Justin made several contributions to Hawkeye Nation through the years, and much of it unpaid, and a great, great guy, smart guy, a good dude. Brian Finley. Brian Finley's done so much for Hawkeye Nation, and you may not even recognize it or realize it. I mean, how many hundreds or thousands of photos has he shot for us? Brian is somebody that I met before the Capital One Bull trip. I was living in West Branch in the trailer at that time, and I got a note from him, and he was a, a student at the University of Iowa. And many people don't realize this. Brian was a child prodigy. Brian was like 
at college at the University of Iowa a couple of years, I think, before he normally would have graduated from high school. Bryant wanted to go to the bowl game. He just didn't know that he could because uh, he was, you know, he was still at a tender age, meaning under 21. And we got him on the we got him on the plane. Uh, my dad sort of took him under his wing and adopted him, and they had just a heck of a time going all over, uh, all over Orlando. The stories are so funny. Well, I maintained my relationship with Brian. Brian has built several versions of Hawkeye Nation through the year, through the years. Brian has built two of my websites in the energy industry that I am using to this day. And by the way, if you need any web development, I strongly recommend you get in touch with Brian Finley. Just reach out to me. I'm going to keep my private email the same, jdmiller71 at gmail.com. Reach out to me and I'll get you in touch with Brian. I couldn't vouch for him any higher. He's a great human being as well. Thanks to Hawkeye Game Film for his contributions. That guy's feed is so much fun to watch and follow on Football Saturdays. And I think we're all smarter uh, for his contributions. And no, I'm not going to tell you what his name is. That is one thing, folks. I may have several faults, but I can keep a secret as good as anybody that I know. Uh, Chuck Hartlieb and Jared Kloss, both of them, took their uh, you know their seasons uh, as the player voice for the Monday morning quarterback column or Q&A that I used to transcribe uh, and write up and I appreciate both of them for their uh, contributions as well as their friendships and boy do I not miss transcribing press conferences Iowa sends those out now Iowa pays money for a company to transcribe them and send them out and, and this doesn't make me anything special but that didn't happen until I started doing it. Uh, as best I know, I think I was the first person that transcribed press conferences in their entirety. I would get the audio file, I would open up a, uh, the Audacity program, and I would set like Kirk Ferentz's or Steve Alford's voices to talk at like 1.5 their norm or, or so, talk at about 0.7 percent their normal rate of speed so 70 percent of their normal rate to where I could just sit there and type at 70 percent I could keep up with them and never have to stop and I would sit there and do it for like 25 30 straight minutes gosh I hated that but nobody else was doing it and it was a way that I differentiated myself be different stay hungry that's just that's what you have to do as an entrepreneur. Todd Brommelkamp, I'd mentioned him earlier. He's got a radio show in Eastern Iowa now. He's doing a fantastic job. Tom, Todd and I spent some time together once out in Vegas at an event and several times at press conferences. I really, really like Todd. Uh, Mike Finn, old voice of the Hawkeyes writer, um, very famous wrestling writer and contributor. Mike and I worked together with Voth. And that was uh, an amazing time of life and another great, great person. That's kind of a common theme. All these guys that I know in the media, I'm not just saying they're great. My experiences with them have shown them all to be very good people. Have we had our run-ins? Yeah, I've talked about that a little bit. Sure. But that's because we're all competitors. But as we've all aged, and many of us have grown up and or gotten older and lost our hair and expanded our waistlines together year after year after year if you cut some of us open and looked at the lines of our innards like a tree you'd see very similar ring displacements because we all live through certain years together and certain years add a little more stress than others 2014 can i get a witness 2012 things like that 
We've all been through things together. And I just think it's a collection of great people. I can't imagine there's a better cadre of writers and contributors and voices covering any other college sports program in the country than what Iowa has with all these people that I've mentioned. And many of these people have given me their time. They've invested in me their wisdom. In some instances, they've literally invested in me financially. And as much as anything, I think this all reminds me and maybe will remind you or show you, depending on how many years you've spent on this rock. None of us does it alone. There have been times in my life that I thought I was better than everyone else at my job, at my task, at my career. And maybe there have been times where I've been right. But probably not. And now that I've gotten older, I can look back on it and see and say, I couldn't have done this without luck, without timing. Not prescient timing on my part, but just pure good fortune timing. But also with people giving me their time, their talents, their treasure. Some people paying it forward. Some people gestures of genuine altruism that I didn't deserve. I couldn't have done this without these people. This is 20 years. This is nearly half of my life. This is the majority of my adult life. I'm 48. I started doing Hawkeye Nation, or at least the genesis of Hawkeye Nation, what would become Hawkeye Nation, in 1999. That's 20 years ago. And I was 28 years old then, and I was dumb. I've known these people for a long time. And I, there are, I'm actually sitting here trying to think of anybody that I just don't like from this group. And I can't come up with anybody. And that's rare. I want to thank my family. I already talked with you in a previous podcast about my brother Jason's help in getting Hawkeye Nation started. It was invaluable. And he's one of my biggest fans. And I appreciate that very much, Jason. My folks... I'm so glad we moved to West Branch, Iowa in the late 1970s when we did right before Iowa Hawkeye Athletics had their best decade ever. You're talking number one in football, uh, the Gable era really going and hitting its stride, number one in basketball. I, I don't know that there was a better time to be a teenager living eight miles from Iowa City and a sports fanatic than when I grew up there. It spawned the passion in me to do what I did. My sister, Mindy, who's also one of my biggest fans. I want to thank my wife, Andrea. Andrea, her first ever exposure to the Hawkeyes was Iowa versus Iowa State in September of 1998. We went to the other place on Metcalf Avenue in Overland Park, Kansas, a place I intend to attend many more game watches in the coming years as we get moved back to Kansas City. And Iowa lost to Iowa State for the first time in 15 years. So you can blame that on her. I can't begin to tell you how many different uh, 
dinners, how many different family outings, how many different non-work-related things that my work has intruded into and interrupted through the years, how every vacation I've ever taken, that we've ever taken as a couple, I'm always working, whether that's with Hawkeyes or now in Energy, and she's good with it. She's given a lot. She's also saved my life numerous times, literally in my opinion. And after 21 years of marriage, we recently celebrated our 21st anniversary. I can honestly say this and it not be just some saying on a coffee mug or a Hallmark card. She is my best friend. She is someone I'm incredibly excited and looking forward to spending the rest of my life with, however long that is, hopefully a very, very long time. And without her, none of this would be possible. And I mean that very sincerely and not some throwaway line that I'm supposed to say. I couldn't have done this without her. I wouldn't have wanted to do it if she were not involved in my life. It's at this point where I probably need to apologize for some names that I may have forgotten. And if you feel like I slighted you, it was not intentional. It was not intentional. The last person that I want to say thanks to here is Kirk Ferentz and many, many members of the Iowa coaching staff because many of them have been there for a long time. I wouldn't have had a career were it not for Kirk Ferentz's kindnesses. Were it not for Kirk treating me that I belonged, were it not for some of the access that I had early on in the early 2000s to the program, Kirk Ferentz is one of the best human beings I've ever known of or heard of. And I don't have a personal relationship with Kirk. I I don't know many or any in the media that do. And that's probably by design and it's probably a good thing. But I have made requests of Kirk through the years, through his, through the office staff in Iowa City. And the requests that I've made uh, have been few, but every one that I've made, Kirk delivered on. And those requests, I... A friend of mine from my childhood, he and his children experienced and went through an unspeakable nightmare of a tragedy. And it was in the spring, spring game many moons ago, and I reached out to Kirk and asked him if maybe my friend and his kids could get down on the field afterward to meet him as it could bring some sunlight into their lives. And that was all that I asked for. I get a note back saying, hey, John, not a problem. Kirk has set this up. Going to put you in touch with someone else. Chikosi Chikosi Eziasi got in touch with me and said, please have your friends meet me here at this time. And this was before the practice began. And that was it. I would find out the day after the practice or the night after the practice the same day from my friend that the Iowa football staff basically showed him and his boys the time of their lives. They had 
passes, they had access, they got tours of the press box, they were down in the field, they got pictures with Kirk, they toured the facilities. It was almost like, you know, it was a recruiting visit. But it wasn't. It was just Iowa football program taking the time to sign to shine the the light that they have using their privilege to brighten someone else's day. That's one of several stories that I could tell you, but I, I, I'm going long here anyway. Which is why I've said through the last five years, and I'll say this once and for all the last time, I don't have many regrets in my career. I mentioned one earlier, carrying a grudge too long relative to Tom Cakert. Glad that's over and healed. But really not many more than that. Except my behavior in 2014. Not again. I don't regret that I was critical of some things. I regret how I was critical of some things. I believe I was so emotionally unhinged at that time that when Iowa lost the Gator Bowl, I don't even want to say this. I don't even want to bring this up because it's so embarrassing, but I'm going to. After they lost the Gator Bowl and Iowa did not make Jake Rudock or C.J. Beathard available to the media, on Twitter I called Kirk Ferentz a coward and said it was gutless. That was a very contentious year between Kirk and the media at large. I think it was the la- that's football year. I don't remember if it's the uh, muster one up for you year or not, but it was contentious. And after that season, Kirk Ferentz recognized that. He hired a PR firm. And since then, it's been very smooth sailing, the best I can tell. But... What I had no idea of, and what I don't know that many people had an idea of, probably some did, I wish they would have let me know, was what the Ferences were going through at that time, which we all are aware of now. That was the year that Brian Ferentz and his wife lost their child. That is an incredible, horrific thing to experience for anyone much less having to go to work, whatever your job is. So it's understandable that that would impact your work and impact your relationships. And here I was being a straight-up douchebag, just trying to prove to people that even though I moved away to Kansas City, or even though I moved away to Tulsa, rather, that I could still have a voice, that I was still relevant. So I cranked the personality knob up to 11 and I was a jerk and that was at the same time that Kirk was going through that even if that even if the circumstances the parents were going through weren't happening Kirk had treated me so well done so many things I had requested he deserved better from me And that's the part that I really, really regret. Still to this day, more than anything, I probably always will. It's almost like I need need some kind of healing from that. I'm just baring my soul here as I'm rambling, looking at the floor of my office. 
I need some kind of closure from that. Maybe someday when Kirk's done, we can get together to the fat and I can tell him in person. I, I did write him a letter and Brian Ferentz a letter and Chris Doyle a letter because Chris Doyle, when my daughter Grace was born in, in 2002, days after Iowa wins in Minneapolis and they're 11-1, and one, got a note from him and other coaches that had signed it congratulating me on the birth of my daughter. And this is how I treated them in 2014. Not a good deal. Something you can probably tell I really regret and it still really, really weighs on me. I did write them a letter in 2015 and apologized and each of them contacted me and I guess you could say some level of, of forgiveness that can be relayed. I mean, I mean, they did. I'm not saying that they were uh, disingenuous with it. They, they, they reached out to me and I still have those letters. Really, those letters and a couple of photos and some Hawkeye Nation magazines are the only things I still have left of the hun- hundreds of items I'd collected through the years, all the posters, and I have a bunch of media guides still. I kind of like those. I'd given everything else away or, or get, donated it for auctions. But those letters I will always keep. They mean a lot to me. And one of the reasons why I was so convicted was because I watched Zach Johnson win the Open and hoisting the Claret Jug. And the speech that he gave was so humble so gracious it convicted me instantly of the jerk that I had been the loud mouth that I had been and I wrote those letters Kirk and his staff they don't come any better Kirk Ferentz's parents must have been amazing people to raise a human being the way that he is so Kirk I highly doubt you listen to podcasts, but if somehow, some way, you're listening to this, thank you. Thank you.